0: Welcome to the Dan and Kimberly podcast.
1: Because you wanted to come at it from a place of like those moments when you're actively standing in the space between two, two like past decisions or two future decisions or. When you're like actually actively thinking about something, but not in like a necessarily safe way, in that way where you feel like you're kind of in transition and you couldn't land anywhere, mm-hmm. which in general is kind of a fuzzy concept because, but we use it to like filter a whole bunch of stuff and we end up talking about it tons. Where it's like, I'm not actually sure about that thing yet. I haven't like figured it out, but we're like, we seem to be more comfortable to be there
2: mm-hmm.
1: instead of just be like, and that's awful. Like, I, I hope <laughs> in the next couple of days I figure it out so that I can feel more comfortable again. Um, mm-hmm. And so for me, uh like part of that will be around uh just how like you, i always know i'm growing when i'm feeling uncomfortable
2: um
1: <laughs> and not when i'm like feeling stagnant or listless and like all that stuff
0: mm-hmm.
1: um yeah we'll get through it it'll be great
0: it'll be great <laughs> okay well i already pressed record
1: i know you have all this <laughs> preamble um okay we can just record a podcast one sec
0: let's let's do a podcast Get caffeinated. Okay,
1: I guess we're recording a podcast <laughs> instead of just catching up, even though I had an amazing weekend.
0: You did have an amazing weekend.
1: So, hi, I'm Dan Faye.
0: I'm Kimberly Joy.
1: And today, we're here to talk about one of the titles we didn't use for this podcast, but came by literally in like the first episode.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And now we're getting around to an attempt live on air, mm-hmm. transcribed into digital medium forever. Forever. Trying to figure out if we can define it. Which we probably, spoiler, won't get to a very conclusive definition by the end of this.
0: Which is Um, kind of the point, actually.
1: Yes. (laughs) though my hope is that uh, both of us together thinking about it will have a better idea of what we're trying to say.
0: Yeah, we're just going to explore it for this episode.
1: And so, of course, I'm talking about The Spaces Between.
0: Yeah.
1: Or The Space Between, which is going to be the name of the podcast. But we used our names because our names are amazing.
0: And somebody else already had that name for a podcast. Yeah, that's
1: true. I think we called her out way back then. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Good for her. I hope her podcast is still (laughs) going.
0: Probably is going fantastically. So what does the space between mean to you? Why was that compelling?
1: So it was interesting when you brought it up, because like you, before I started thinking about it more to... To be frank, uh, in this moment in time, you had, like, the most energy on it. We were talking pre-podcasts, we like, think about this thing, and it seems really important, but I don't know, like, what it lines up with, and I don't know who's written about it before. That was one of the things, right? And mm-hmm. I, I haven't found it out yet. Me either. It's in the philosophy of mind somewhere. Someone yeah. has thought of it before.
0: Yeah, I'm sure this isn't original. Um, <laughs> because humans it, like to cap, like, condense everything down to a known entity... This is like looking for dark matter in the universe. That's what I decided. There's <laughs> a shit ton of it out there. <laughs> but we really don't know that much about it. And that's what this idea is like to me. We have all of these things that we've quantified in science and math. And then there's dark matter. We have all of these things we've quantified in personal growth and religion. And then there's this giant space between that we kind of forget about and ignore because it doesn't really have much language that we've found. Sure about
2: it well, and I don't think
1: it, i and I think it's one of those uh potentially uh things that you mostly experience in motion um mm-hmm. actually quote unquote doing the work or or applying yourself towards some type of goal objective, maybe changing your mind in some way mm-hmm. um, or like picking up a new skill or breaking something down um, and so Kind of entertaining part of that to me is that uh as soon as you put a school around that, become become the guru of that, right <laughs> it you kind of lost it.
0: It ceases to exist <laughs>
1: <laughs> um and so it it seems to be something like we all experience
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but but it just intuitively seems very challenging for us to search around the internet and find someone who's like, I am the definitive source of truth on this." thing uh because for one it's like so ingrained and practical in the experience Mm -hmm. um, but also because it would basically disappear because then all of a sudden you'd be teaching like uh, a a rather strict like philosophy of life possibly around like um so i'll give an example uh we do have a concept uh that could be seen as like uh, a kindred concept of something like flow Mm
2: -hmm.
1: so it's kind of nebulous and when you're acquiring skill you know what it feels like and there are books written about it and all this stuff, but it's, it's also kind of like, um, it does kind of transcend the space of just doing like regular work.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, but then you can create a whole like school of like philosophy of life around like always trying to be in flow, like as much as you can. And like 10 steps to get in flow at your job and
2: Mm -hmm.
1: all this stuff. Right. And then, um, there's like, my experience is there's two ways that that can be taken. And one of them is that, um If you try to constrain it too much, it turns into just like another tool. Yeah. instead of like kind of one of those natural, nebulous things that like, yeah, you should you know structure your environment slightly so that it's more conducive to doing the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's like trying to be happy. That, that's what I think about when I think of like trying to get into flow,
2: mm-hmm.
1: is like back to the cult of personality and charisma. It's just like, quick, be happy, but don't think about being happy, but tell yourself to be happy. Look in the mirror and be like, Dad, you're happy, you're happy, you're you're amazing. <laughs> um, and it's just like, that's not doing great. It's not a good job. It's the same being like, why am I so distracted? Oh, I need to stop thinking about trying to get into flow because my mind's going to all these places. And it's when you stop thinking about it um, that it becomes like something that as long as you've put some of your pieces like in the right order, you're more mm-hmm. likely to get it. And so... And so that this isn't that's not the same topic, um, but it's kind of this like kindred thing that I already see people grinding on. And I and what we're going to talk about, I don't see as many people grinding on. And I'm kind of thankful for that, other than that it's a little bit challenging to articulate what we mean because we can't like direct someone to a bunch of podcasts or a book or mm-hmm. a class they can go take or whatever. Um, so you were saying for you, it is how exactly how exactly did you put that?
0: It's more like the dark matter. It's almost like it's there, but you can't grasp it. To me, it feels a bit sort of a parallel topic. Um, some schools of thought in Zen, you can go to a Zen master and they'll tell you that the only way to reach enlightenment is to stop desiring.
2: Sure. Right.
0: So they these students go away and they stop try to stop desiring. And when they come back, they realize that what they've done is desire, desire to stop desiring. Right. So... I don't think we'll be able to erase it in this conversation, (laughs) but it does seem like something our minds do erase. Like we have these experiences and there is a space between. And when we look back and tell the narrative about what happened, we almost erase that space between. Right. Yes. We went to point A and then point B and I learned this thing and then point C and we forget all of that space. And that means that when we're in that space, it's almost, at least for some of my clients, almost panic-inducing as if it's the first time it's happened. Yeah. Like, are you sure? I think you've probably been here before, and that's going to be okay. And you can actually enjoy that ride, sort of like flow. Like a lot of surfers talk about flow, and they go on the waves, and they get into flow. If they couldn't let go and enjoy it, they would never be able to be there. Yeah. The space between is part of our lives. It's something that, especially in modern society, where we try to quantify everything, and like you said, boil it down to the 10 steps um we miss it and i think it's a really good place for personal growth that can happen when you're not sure when you're in between you're in motion and you're not sure if you're going to make it there and it's maybe even the goal isn't quantified and it's a squishy place (laughs) it's a squishy
1: it uh it absolutely i agree with that entirely uh yeah, because there's this feeling that, that was really good. So I think the reason why we make those like 10 step lists is so that people f- always feel like they're on the path.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: like I'm transitioning from this set of habits to this set of habits. Where I'm trying to like do this thing better. And I know that like, uh, like regardless if each step takes a little bit longer, I, I can always judge like, oh, I'm almost there.
0: I'm 50% there. I'm 62% there. Right.
1: So, so and, and that's a little bit more of a safer feeling because it, because it feels like you have some structure around you and there's this like this need to, I guess, not potentially feel like a failure or like you're lost or like you're confused or like you may have not made the right, right decision. He says mm-hmm. with air quotes in the camera. <laughs> um, and yet um, I think you can do a lot more like active work. And growth by realizing that those those spaces not only are they natural, but but it's the part where you know you've at, you're actually um, attempting to embrace something. Yeah. Because there's a little bit of resistance and a little bit of struggle, and like um, you fall out of all your regular like some of your regular ruts. So, like, us starting a podcast, or if you, dear listener, we going to start anything new. Um, You start it and you feel kind of silly uh, and you feel like you don't know what you're going to do next or if you should have started it. And there's like a million, you know, little gremlins in the back of your mind that are saying like, ah, you should backpedal, you know, like, uh, why make this type of uh, take this type of risk for nothing? Look, it's been it's been a month and you don't have all these new skills that you wanted or you don't feel any more confident or you feel you feel a little bit more confident, but how much? I, I don't have a list of, like, there's no manual. So it's like, oh, I feel 50% more confident. Okay, so if I only do this for two more months, you know, then I will reach the level I need to be at to feel like a professional or something. <laughs> um, and if you can instead walk into your new experiences knowing that you are stepping into that space, but it is not, see, and I guess, I guess the language is betraying me there. Because it's in hard. some ways that assumes you're stepping off like the solid platform of, of the traditional or the useful or Which the, step or the
0: five, stepping right, off the platform <laughs> where,
1: where you should be. And now you're in the space. Oh right, no, right. it's chaotic and nebulous. And you need to get out of this quick, or you'll drown or you'll sink or like all this stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree. And this is, this is why I wanted to dive into this topic for you because I've, ended up as i've matured a bit (laughs) to like really enjoy and attempt to indulge in those spaces and and some of that uh and and treat them as not like this place you need to get out of as quick as possible but the place where if you actually slow down and breathe is where like a lot of your learning is exactly if you're actually there to see it um to crystallize that into an example because i think that'd be helpful um so and we've had this conversation a bunch even in this podcast um, one of those spaces for me is when i was doing emotional work um you calming me down from feeling like i was a failure of like falling backwards on a weekend or something where i just wanted to like curl up with some hot chocolate under a blanket and read and not talk to anyone and feel a little bit sad and like all this stuff because when i was doing before i had like talked about and talked about and unpacked with you and put stuff together and reoriented everything and like embraced more of like Emotions being a thing that you should attempt to, you know, understand and experience, all of it. Um, instead, it was like the true path is the path that's full of joy and happiness and all these like positive-ish things. And I've fallen off the path. When I'm in these other ones. I need, I need tools and methods, you know, mm. to get me back on the path. You know, heal myself so that I am joyous again. Um, and something that was relieving and really like led me to my higher quality life right now is like when i'm sad then i'm like oh i'm sad that's kind of amazing and it's kind of like cathartic and i'm like you know what's this all about and like where's the underlying part of this and instead of running away from it right i just realized like i'm just in a different state um and so i have to like tease my mind in a way of like letting go of being like you're, you're not in a bad space you're not in a bad spot um just like breathe, you're not going to die, you know?
0: Right. Yeah, um, I think our brains, because it's simple and it's efficient, we like to label things really fast, kind of black and white. Good, sure. bad, on the path, off the path. It's very binary. And I think that we lose that in between. And that's why when we are experiencing human emotions, and to be really clear, I didn't make you calm down. I merely invited you to see that as possibly just part of your human experience.
1: Do I use the word make?
0: Yeah, you said make. I wrote it down. He said, make me calm down.
1: (laughs) This is why I talked to Kimberly, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) It's
0: it's all in our language. It's everywhere. Because
1: it's it's everywhere in our language. You you never actually made me do anything. Mm -mm. Uh, In fact, most of the time, you just created a space where I could slow down and didn't feel like an idiot.
0: Right. I I helped you remove some of the labels. Like, what if you took those labels off? What would happen?
1: And then I, yeah, exactly. That's,
0: that's where the growth kind of is. Um, like when you're training to be, say, an endurance athlete or something, you can't keep running the same 10 miles. You're not going to get any better. Totally. And I think in our, our overzealousness to grow and to become better and to be more, this personal growth thing is super fantastic. Let's label it and make it <laughs> everything. Yeah. We keep running kind of that 10 miles. And it looks different because maybe we're on a different track. But because we're not welcoming that, that emptiness part that isn't mapped out, we're not growing in our own unique way. Because at the end of that 10 miles when you run 11, it's really uncomfortable. It's not familiar. And right. you want to stop.
2: Yeah. But that's, totally.
0: where you, that's where your endurance increases. It's always at the edge of your comfort zone that the growth is. And I think a lot of this personal growth stuff might be outside of reading a book. It might be in that unmapped territory where you as an individual are going, oh, and you're super present with what's going on right now for you as a people. Yeah. And just being curious about it without rushing to label it to get back on the safe path. Let's go back to that 10 miles. Let's do that one again because it's hard work. And then I can go brag to my friends and I can tell people what level I am in the Graves model. And I could do all these things. Like that's the other part of going to that squishy in between to me is there isn't any bragging rights there. You can't say I did a thing. I read a book. Did you see me? I went to that seminar. And right. You have to let go of all of that bragging in order to be able to be present and with yourself. What are you going to say? I, I was present with myself. Post <laughs> that one on Facebook. See how many <laughs> likes you. i going to give a shit. Totally. You have to be willing to let go of a big piece of that ego. And I think that by itself is a huge piece of growth. Letting go of some of the labels that are comfortable, being curious about that space and asking questions puts you in a more scientific mindset. So you can be curious about yourself, what you're growing, how it's changing you, how you're impacting the world around you, all that stuff that we kind of zoom past in order to get to the next tick on the map. I want to get to 75% today. Right. You have to put all that down and it takes a lot. For me it takes a lot of patience because I really really like external markers of <laughs> success. <laughs> so um I think part of it's I when I did research I looked up non-binary thinking that was not helpful at all.
1: Yeah, you're you're in the wrong century now. <laughs> yeah.
0: So um I'm sure that there's philosophy around this and so far the closest I've found is kind of some of the way the uh some Zen Buddhism seems to kind of be focused on kind of the space between just being present and curious without labeling things. But that's the closest I've gotten to finding this thing that we're talking about.
1: Well, I think it lines up with, especially with the way we're framing it and in the context of what you just said, uh, I think it lines up pretty well with like the concept of beginner's mind. Yes. Um, And the idea of how learning a brand new thing for the first time is both exciting and also very unknown. Um, So how that actually manifests in my life very often is like my, uh, my not need, but my, my kind of love of like picking a thing up, looking at it, putting Mm -hmm. it down because Mm -hmm. when you put it down and maybe I'm like slightly addicted to the feeling, which I'm not ashamed of. That's actually kind of fun. uh, All of a sudden, like, you don't actually know the truth anymore. So you, you can pick up like a worldview or like an idea and be like, yes, this is it. But you can read like five people talk about it and you can apply it in your life. you are like, yes, this is the way to, you know, teach people this uh, or like teach people better, even mm-hmm. like maybe a more meta concept. Um, and then if you put it down, you're like, you know what, maybe there's like hundred million more other ways to teach people. I don't know. Maybe that's just one of whatever. And like, if you, if you ambiguated it again, All of a sudden, you're like, I've made a huge mistake. I shouldn't have put that thing out. But then your your mind is also like, I'm so free to think about this. Right. Without like labels and worrying about it. And you do slip into like, you know, a kid's very first time of going to swimming lessons where he doesn't know all the names of all the kicks and whatever. He's just super stoked that his parents are letting him go into the water and there's not like a hundred other families there. And, like, there's all the dividends of, like, what you're learning, but you're also making, like, a radical, like, a radical number of mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think it leads to this, like, really healthy understanding of what growth actually is, which is not necessarily um, getting hyper-legalistic about always landing on growth markers.
2: Because mm-hmm.
1: uh, when you were thinking, I was also thinking of, um, I have aspirations of moving up, um we were talking about vertical systems Mm -hmm. uh in a previous podcast and i have aspirations a bunch of vertical systems like moving up levels of health right Mm -hmm. and so it could get really kind of depressing and demoralizing if uh if i realize that you know i'm trying so hard to go from a from a four to a three from a three to a two or whatever and i realize that you know I'm showing a bunch of markers where I'm like sliding from a four to a five.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And, and it's just like, I could be really angry, right? Like what's happening. This isn't it, the path I'm going towards. You know, I need to read 700 more books and pick up 45 new mentors and start really, really conquering down. Cause this is just not right. Um, but that usually just puts me in an even deeper rut. Because I've actually been in those spaces where, like, I look at my life and I'm just like, oh, I'm showing some, like, uh, you know, 22-year-old dad markers. Instead of being like, wow, I'm a huge failure. What a worthless, unmature adult I am. Like, I hope I'm not going insane or going, like, getting ridiculously depressed. Instead of just being like, cool, I wonder what in my life is like. That's how I approach things. I mean, if you... I was talking about spending much time with my family, right? But, like, um, if you talk to my sister, especially... In conversations like this, one of the things she will literally say is, like, oh, you basically tell Dan anything. He'll just be like, that's really cool. Tell me more about that thing. Because <laughs> I've kind of like wired my interpersonal life like that. Mm-hmm. And for me, introspection, because it's so much more intimate, it's like even closer, right? It, it's possible to like want to skip over those spaces between. Mm-hmm. So you're being like, oh, that's so amazing. Like, I, I'm not super stoked that you're feeling like listless and depressed, but. But I am. I'm here with you. I'm, I'm really present. And I want to understand why we're back here and what's going on, and let's think about it. And maybe we need to turn directions. Maybe we need to put some stuff down. Maybe we need to get out, out of some systems or pick up a new one. But like f- from a really compassionate, because I find my compassion, my empathy is also in the space between.
2: Right.
1: It isn't when I am standing on those solid platforms because, you know, I'm doing work and I have a little bit of ego around it, and I'm like trying to get stuff done. But it seems to bind me closer to people when a little bit more of that chaos seeps in and there's some ambiguity and uncertainty, I am a more empathetic and compassionate person in that space. Right. Um, and so I wouldn't give it up for anything, which is why I think it's like important to talk about it because I, I think it's a very, very lovely, wonderful human, like a part of the experience. And when people skip it, they're doing themselves like a kind of a disservice on their life journey.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. They're denying themselves that that ability to have a learning mind in what I perceive as emotionally stressful situations.
2: Sure, I, yeah.
0: I just want to label it. My husband's being a dick. Box uh, it up, the tape and <laughs> slap a bow on it, <laughs> shove it under the bed. I don't have to deal with it anymore. As soon as I label it, I, I'm not curious anymore. Like you said, that's where your empathy comes from. It's like, oh, yeah. let me, let me like, kind of be present with this. He's kind of doing some things that maybe I don't like and... Maybe this has nothing to do with me. Maybe he's going through, I don't know. Maybe we should have a conversation. That would be, that would be nice to try. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Labels are really weird. Um, once you slap a label on it, at least in my mind, I stop thinking about it in general. It's just done.
2: Mm, sure.
1: It, uh, yeah, I have a parallel directive actually. Uh so labels, especially in the modern era, are super weird mm-hmm. um, and for better or worse. And I think it's leading to some health, but it's also getting weird and dogmatic. Um, like the current gender revolution uh, is like partly nebulous and part like trying to find its labels. hmm. So that everyone has boxes because I think it's easier to defend a box or maybe it's easier to like <laughs> have a political stance on a box. And I'm not talking about like even in argumentative way,
2: mm-hmm. like circle like, the wagons.
1: Right. Like, and, and but, but how do you know what your tribe is unless you all have name tags or whatever. Right. Um, and so it's been, uh, I've told you this off air, but now it's, now it's on air. Um, I've been like really enjoying, like having this kind of like cathartic, semi dramatic experience of, um, reading a lot more of like the bisexual um Reddit, and like mm-hmm. people coming out to their family and like all this like trials or whatever and i usually don't like dip my toes into a lot of like that type of stuff but the interesting thing i'm really enjoying about the bisexual community which ties directly to your point is like that label is ridiculously ambiguous and whenever anyone tr- steps into that forum and is like, I don't know, do I fit this label? Can I wear the name tag? Like, <laughs> like, the generic answer of everyone there is like, yeah, it's good. Actually, there is no, like, we're a very, very not boxed box. Um, like, do you like 1% like women and 99% like men? Great. You're a bisexual.
0: Come to the squishy.
1: Do, 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 do you like 50%, 50%? That's... Unusual and amazing, great! You're also like, and so there's never really been a discussion I've seen in the entirety of the last month where I've been like coming through interesting stories and stuff, where everyone's like, you know what, you're right, that might not be a thing. Like, it's such a, it's a community within a movement that is like trying to find its feet, like a bigger movement where everyone's trying to find their feet, and some of that means getting a label and then fighting over labels. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And the bisexual community to me is kind of the antithesis of that. Because they have a word and they're like, yeah, but it's like, wh- whatever. Like, it's the lowest barrier to entry possible. <laughs> <laughs> Do you um, want to
0: play? Are you nice? Come on right. in.
1: And I've been really, that's actually been, um, it's been really fascinating for me to see a community engage with what you were just talking about in practice. Oh, yeah. Like, the human mind's wanting to put stuff in boxes, put labels on stuff, and then you get a little bit dogmatic, which could be good or bad. and you know, people around the wagons and do the whole cultural thing. And then I stepped into this community, which I expected to, to have that same level of, like, litmus tests, legalism just to make sure they were safe or whatever they needed to feel.
2: Mm-hmm. And instead,
1: it's, like, ridiculously wide open.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: everyone's great and doing fine. And no one's died. Like, they are, in a very real way, as a community, living in the space between.
0: Do you think that the human mind... Maybe to get to the space between, you first have to to go through an extreme practice of labeling in order to see that there is a space between.
1: That seems like the most natural order. We've had this. I'm not sure if you've ever had this conversation on air, but like. um, I've had this conversation with you off air of, I think. People seem to like live two different types of lives. Either going from like strict order to finding liberation in a little bit of chaos and then synthesizing, mm-hmm. or having a, a youth full of a lot of chaos, finding strict order and then hopefully synthesizing. I'm I'm less optimistic on that side because going from chaos to order, it can be tricky to like fill the cup back up with chaotic stuff again. Right.
0: Um. My it's all my labeled bad usually.
1: Yeah. So like, and like for transparency to listeners, like my context of the chaos to. Uh, order thing is usually like people finding their faith after a troubled childhood um and i find that like people can put the box really tight around themselves because they never want to experience any of the like the wild fire of their youth again um and so they're less likely to like pour stuff in whereas the opposite is true of people like going from like strictly stable or strictly legalistic family lives and like slowly as they grow up like finding their own like passion and like liberation Mm -hmm. they have an easier time being like oh but i really like this rule or i really like this boundary and like getting i think the road to synthesis is more natural
0: yeah i think so too probably for Uh, contextual reasons
1: yeah probably for contextual reasons so in the same way with labels right because it's like a very very useful but also really powerful and potentially dangerous human construct Mm -hmm. us versus them right literally us versus them Mm
0: -hmm. I don't even want to say labels are bad. Yeah. Uh, it's just that sort of along the lines of our, um, our jargon last week. It's sure. like just realizing that we tend to put labels on things and knowing that my brain will label things and throw it away, I sometimes have to go, oh, wait, <coughs> what on this table that I'm working on is just a closed box? Maybe I need to open up that label and be curious. And that's sometimes what I find when I'm teaching somebody is that there's a closed box. I didn't realize, oh yeah, there's other things in there. Thanks for pointing that out. (laughs) Um, But yeah, just realizing that this is what our brains do and it feels safer. And I think that's why people who go from chaos to order have a hard time leaving is because usually the chaos to them represents abuse or neglect or some sort of trauma.
2: Yeah, I completely agree.
0: The the order is like this is the thing that will save my children, that will save future generations, so they don't have to experience these things that I needed to go to a therapist for five years to deal with. So uh
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm very empathetic to that type of life journey. Mm-hmm. Because the other side just isn't that. The other side was like, you know, I was feeling stifled and misunderstood and I couldn't be myself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So then I began to be myself. And it's easier to be like, I am myself and now I want these bits of protection.
0: Right. I fell off this cliff five times. Maybe that old rule should come back. I kind of like that one. Right. It makes it kind of an a la carte feeling. Like, what am I going to grab? What's on here?
1: And there's definitely the potential for trauma in not being yourself. Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, I've made some um, choices in the last couple of years to move from high structure to like disorder or liberation or however i want to frame it Mm -hmm. um because i was like ending up particularly depressed uh because i wasn't able to you know exercise this brain of mine and critically think quite as much Mm -hmm. um and so i would rather leave all the walled gardens as long as i could think for myself even if it was more dangerous and Mm -hmm. so it, you can pack some pretty intense feelings behind those transitions to get the courage to walk into those spaces, right? right? To to be in the between, because not all of my life feels like it's an unstable in between whatever, right? Now, now I have some stability in this liberation, um, and being like, okay, I can do this now, right? And I can talk about whatever I want, and I can synthesize ideas and do all this stuff that I love, um, and so I don't feel like I'm necessarily in all areas of my life, like just out there wandering. no not not knowing anything right we
0: all have some structure um what do you think of the human propensity to demonize the thing that they're leaving behind do you think that's the only reason we get in motion in general to go towards something that's unfamiliar
1: so uh uh, (laughs) that's been a bunch of my experience i do that and i don't i'm not sure if that makes me a good or a bad human i
0: think it might just be human
1: yeah um that's why also this weekend was good because my family had a bunch of debriefing about a transition we did Mm -hmm. like a couple years well for me a couple years ago um and uh we needed space we could not have had the the empathetic compassionate um amazing bonding discussion we had this weekend if we had not first taken a breather so that we could kind of chew on stuff and exercise some of those demons. Right. Like the ones that weren't real, the ones that were motivators, (laughs) the the ones that were way more intense at the time. But when you got Mm -hmm. distance, Mm -hmm. you noticed they were just tiny little specks of dust, but they were really irritating at the time. Uh, And so that we could have a much more like well-rounded discussion of like things we liked and things we didn't like and why we made decisions we did. Mm -hmm. Whereas if it had happened like the day after They'd be like, this is stupid, this is awful. Um, because you would have had all that energy, all that rocket fuel that you needed to have the courage to make the transition.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That comes up in Boundaries a lot. We've recommended this book a few times. but um, And I still stand by it. It's, a, it's an interesting kind of construct to think about the way you interact with other people and the way your territory works.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and one of the things he says in it, Townsend, I think, right, um, is... Like when people are first setting up boundaries, they're going to be hypersensitive and nearly everything is going to be setting off their alarm bells. They're going to be more intense than you expect. Um, They're going to be more uh, sensitive than you expect because this is the first time they've started trying to put up fences and have personal ownership of maybe their skin.
0: Yeah, they, or, they should be putting up a picket fence over here and they're throwing up the Great Wall of China.
1: <laughs> right. Um, and and his stance is basically like, and if you really are part of their support network, understand they're going to be there, that it is natural, that it is human.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and like, give them the room for it, create the space for it. Don't don't demonize them over them trying to learn this new skill, especially because like, it's, it's tough <laughs> in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and so, and what they're doing, to your point, potentially is like demonizing all the skeletons of their past. And it's like, none of those will ever happen again. And anyone who does 1% of any of those things is equivalent to everything I'm getting away from.
2: Right.
1: And so the alarms are like, oh, and a hair trigger.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then with dis- distance and maturity, it can be like, well, actually, like, this is all okay. And this is just a line you cannot cross. Right. Which is great. That's where you want your battery to be instead of being like, I don't know what I need, but you're all wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's an extreme case of labeling. Yeah, it seems like there's a pattern where, um, just like you said, somebody demonizes it, they move away. That's the rocket fuel or the catalyst to help them be brave enough to leave a thing, to set a boundary, to make a change. And then they've labeled this thing that they're leaving bad and this thing that they're moving too good. And that's okay. It's what we do. It's what gets us there as humans. And it's only in that rear view mirror 2020 that you can kind of see all of the space between and start. Your word is integration, picking it apart and pulling some of the things yep. from what was originally labeled bad. But if you don't have the willingness to go back and take that label off as bad. You're going to miss some of those things that were there. You're just going to leave it in the rearview mirror as a bad point and just walk away. And all that potential growth that you went through the pain to get
2: right. Yes.
0: <laughs> you, you, you potentially might miss some of it. Yeah. We, we seem to do that as humans. I don't think, I don't think it's good or bad. I think it's just a human thing.
1: Uh, I think it's just a human thing. Yeah.
0: I read a couple I read a book a couple of years ago called Nonviolent Communication. Have you read that one?
1: Uh, it's on my list, but no.
0: It's on your list. Yeah, it talks some of, about this how we miss how we miss um, relationships and growth in our in our desire to label. And it's been a long time since I remember I read it, but it's one that I wanted to throw in there that might help articulate this in a much more educated fashion. Sure. Between concept that we're talking about.
2: It yeah, that makes
1: communication books are good for that because often what the author is trying to like shelter not shelter, help people like more slowly walk through or understand is like uh how vulnerable communication can be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so how like <laughs> mostly avoidable people want it like <laughs> don't want to step back in. So like you don't want to go have the conversations with like certain people or elements or organizations of your past so that you can like go get some of that treasure, um, maybe salvage some of those relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, and instead that's why stepping back another podcast again, um, I'm actually a really, really strong proponent of when you build a council of advisors in your head, when you collect mentors that you're not just collecting like a hundred thousand clones of yourself.
0: Um, that sounds boring.
1: Right. Well, and, and they're not really great filters uh-huh. because you're, you're already going to like have a list of criteria that you're pretty good at looking at your life through. Um, and so if you can actually go back and find like someone of really high value or or an author of really high value or an ideal or something and take it back with you, I I have such a strong belief in that people are better through synthesis and not just throwing parts of their lives away. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm a very, very strong proponent of that. So, like, if you can go back and, like, dissect stuff and be like, oh, that was actually really good. That was actually really good. Um, I can turn this and put this through a new lens and I can take those parts there. And, like, that's what I try a lot to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but even in the way backwards, you are having to kind of embrace and... That's um, the word I'm looking for. You have to accept that... Um, you don't just get to necessarily safely live your life on all these platforms. Mm-hmm. Th- th- there, are, there are risks involved and uh, there's vulnerability and being uncomfortable and all these things that actually lead you to higher value. And those are all taking those first steps in being in between all your like perfect new goodness. You were talking about like moving from bad to good,
2: uh-huh. right?
1: <laughs> and it's like, why would I want to move back to bad? It's like, well, you're not because you're, Like, the truth of the matter this entire conversation is like, you're never anywhere.
2: Yeah, you're not.
1: (laughs) The the platforms aren't real. Like, all of this is a metaphor, Mm -hmm. right? You're just out there living your life. And sometimes there's certain constructs or organizations or people or values you're embracing, and some will stick with you for your entire life. And sometimes you just put certain ones down and then... 10 years later, you're like, actually, that was a really good point right there, and I'm kind of searching for that right now, and instead of being afraid to go back, he's like, ah, I will be, I will it be corrupted. It was
0: bad. It right? was labeled bad.
1: Um, and so I think you become, like, a better person, in general. Just, like, realizing that like that ultimate spoiler, getting to this weird place in this episode, is like, we've been lying the entire time, because you were, you were never standing on the bad or the good.
0: Nope.
1: Um, like, essentially, it's all a construct in all of our minds to make us feel safer.
0: Right. It's all, um, it's all an illusion. Sorry.
1: And, <laughs> and so the reality is, even if you don't know it, you're always in between something to somewhere.
2: Right.
1: Um, and I mean, yeah, you could create such a wonderful narrative around your life that you could spend the next 40 years never really changing. <laughs> Uh, you could try. I, even with the look in your eyes, I'm not convinced it's possible.
0: <laughs> I don't know if it's impossible, but that seems like a tremendous amount of work to not change. Yes. So what came up when you were talking about going back and synthesizing some of your stuff is I think there's also a lot of healing to be found in that process. Okay. Because we box up these experiences that were horrible and sometimes when we unpack them a little bit, we can go, oh, now that I'm a parent, I understand better why my parents did that. Or now that I'm, you know, and and just refiltering it. It doesn't mean you have to have, go to, you know, rainbows and unicorns about all your past experiences, but going back and kind of unpacking some of the things that weren't necessarily fantastic. I keep finding them in my life. My husband's asked, asked me a couple of times this past week, why are you crying? And I'm like, I don't know. There's a pain in this particular story that I didn't realize was there. Ah. And just sitting in that space and kind of trying to figure out why is that all of a sudden hurting and using that almost as my, um, my compass. Oh, there's something interesting over here that I should unpack and being okay with that space and taking all the labels off and just being present has helped me figure out some things about myself, some things about some other people. That I may change again later. Yeah. But um, it's a looseness, I think, that we can have with the all the constructs in our head that will allow us to move more like water around obstacles versus this rigidness that will get blown over in a strong breeze or a hurricane comes along in your life. And then all of a sudden, all of these really solid ridges of thought that you've constructed get blown over and you don't know, Hi, oh, I'm having a crisis of faith or I'm having a crisis of now i'm a nihilist whatever um the more flexible you get with all of this stuff the more resilient you will ultimately be
1: yeah and i think it's uh
2: to that point entirely
1: i think people may put too much this is my experience i guess so i will speak for myself um mm-hmm. i do not believe that if everything i currently think about and you know, structure my life around blew away, um, that I would cease being Dan. Um, I have not been challenged by that a lot. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So I, I bet I would, you know, crumble slightly. (laughs) Um, but I, I have attempted to live my life in such a way of knowing that I am simply just myself. Mm -hmm. And if the world went to shit and all the hurricanes of the world blew everything I once knew over, um, while I have a lot of challenge ahead, challenges ahead of me now, right? And maybe the the vision I was casting is totally unrealistic now. Those are all reasonable things, but that that's different. That's different from a feeling of like losing yourself. Who would I be? Right. Like, uh, how can I possibly live?
0: What is my purpose now?
1: Right. Um, and I've been trying to structure the way I hold on to things and... Attempting to act more like water so that I can realize that I am just myself in every situation, even if I put everything I currently have picked up down.
0: Right, right.
1: Um, and, and that's been like slowly building health for me. It's not an instantaneous thing, but it's been putting, giving me more and more peace by standing in those in-between spaces
0: as if your identity is now more attached to the space between than anything you pick up and put down
1: right and this and i mean Mm -hmm. i mean theoretically i don't i'm not sure that's true but like uh
0: i don't know but that gets me really excited to think about
1: well no i agree with your thing i was gonna say like and the space between may blow away (laughs) (laughs) um but but i think that's more because you were talking about it earlier on in terms of like the the zen ideals of like beginner's mind and uh emptiness and going back to the beginning so i do hold a belief and i'm willing to be wrong um that the space between is the thing that will always be there
2: yeah
1: and and so feeling you know having a sense of peace and purpose and confidence that i am a learner that that i love to explore Mm -hmm. that i love to build frameworks and figure out new ways to, you know, be empowering and ethical and all these things, regardless if I'm standing on an existing framework or not. Uh, that is exciting because it's like,
0: yeah. That was such a great learning mind description of yourself, your identity. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. I don't know if we could end on an any better note. (laughs) Yeah. I think learning mind and the space between are very interconnected. How are you defining yourself? Is it something that's fixed? Is it the space between? Because you're right. Everywhere you go, there you are. Whether you're an agnostic, an atheist, or Chinese, or British, or any of the labels that we love to put on things so we can understand it faster, you're still you in the middle of it It too. Do you have any other brilliant insights on the space between? No, I just
1: think it's fun. It's uh, my closing insight would be co- contrary to how nebulous and potentially um, disheartening some people may frame it or make it sound when they're uncertain.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: actually where I found like the majority of my joy in life and my willingness to like get up in the morning and live.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so I'm probably like, a potentially unusual advocate,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> because I'm like, if I'm not learning and growing, and if I'm not like trying on new stuff and trying to understand different people, and like, if I find myself being really dogmatic, <laughs> eventually, like a year later, I'll just be like, I'm going to read a book about the opposite thing. <laughs> the
0: <laughs> and I'll read it.
1: I'm like, yeah.
0: You're a little unusual in that. I struggle to. I'm always pushing for the close the loop, close the loop, close the loop, and then I miss the whole loop missed the whole
1: ride well and i don't do it right away uh it's more just like there seems to be like a pressure that builds and builds like if there really are platforms there seems to be like a little bit of pressure that's like pushing me off the platform more and more it's like you've been stable for long enough like i, I can see the parts of like your current mindset that's serving you
2: mm-hmm.
1: but don't i guess what my inner child always tells me what the learner part of my mind always tells me is don't be afraid to put this down. It's not like the good parts of it won't stick around with you. Mm -hmm. So, and coming to terms with that, I I was trying to explain something similar about leaving like a certain community organization on the weekend, actually, to a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm just like, I just came to terms with the fact that even if I leave this community, I'm not going to necessarily live a worse life, burst into flames, or be some horrible monster, or not be successful, or Mm -hmm. not be like all these things. Like, and that's that's exactly what we're saying is like, you're always where you are. You're always who you are.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so getting rid of some of that fear empowers you to walk more confidently, walk into that space.
0: Make right? the next leap that might be exciting and you might learn. Yeah. With some confidence, especially if you have a, a pattern of leaping, you create this part of your image that you're good at leaping. I'm good at leaping to the yeah, next yeah. thing. Let's do that. That'd be fun. Well, we definitely don't have the answers for this one, but it was a good exploration. Thanks for helping me map that out a little bit.
1: Yeah, super fun. It's uh, It was a good topic because I, I didn't have a clear way to talk about it now until I, I feel clearer now, which is good.
0: <laughs> now we can back box this one up. <laughs> yes. Just kidding.
1: Put a label on it. Put a title on this episode, Kimberly.
0: Oh, oh, I, have to, I have to name this one. <laughs> the non-label podcast. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see you in a week.
1: Okay. See you guys later. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Nice.